minutes, 15 seconds. Today we are speaking to Peter Jersinski of Glass Curtain. They're an innovative company out of Alberta that is helping create some of the most high-performance window systems in the entire world. We're proud that they are in our backyard and that uh, with their hard work and innovation, we are actually able to open up more wall space in the world of high-performance buildings. Uh, so join us as we jump right in. So, so Peter, you know, we, you know, glass and uh, i'm fascinated yeah. to to discuss yeah. this topic with you just because mm-hmm. you know truly it's one of these it's it's a it's a super integral part of a building envelope system it means so much uh you know and when i when i found out about you uh through one of the passive home conversations mm-hmm. that you you presented on uh i was fascinated mm-hmm. and you know we were sitting here in the office going we need to talk to you because the whole concept of our podcast being uh, net zero to hero and and feeling like this ground zero of we don't know how we're going to achieve these targets is where I feel like I and so many people uh, in, in our building community find themselves. Uh, 10 years seems like a long time, but not nearly enough time to make the transitions to, you know, net zero being what it is, uh, 80% more efficient than current uh, 2018 building code designs, but passive house is like right there with it, you know? Mm-hmm. So we, we want to build, I'm going to say conscious homes, you know, like homes that are responsible, that are, are, mm-hmm. are, you know, high performance homes that, that fit in the context of people's lives, but not just mass production homes. We want to build them smart. And we, we saw the net zero targets. We're like, okay, maybe we can, build into these uh early why not why wait 10 years to build high performance homes when people have been doing it for a while now so we can do it now but i was honestly the biggest reservation i had is it seemed like the only way to achieve these targets was to build bunker homes with no windows Mm -hmm. and and that honestly was a full stop for me uh so I was like, I, we live in the Okanagan. The price of land is somewhere between three and $400,000 for a lot that's way far away from the lake. But people move here. They live here so they can see the water. And I just couldn't justify telling a client, pay all this money to build a home, but you can't see the view that you moved here to look at. Uh, and, then, and then we met you. <laughs> we, we saw you and I'm like, whoa, a light bulb went off. You, your company, you're obviously doing phenomenal things in the glazing space. You're one of the only people in the world, possibly the only people in the world, building a passive house rated curtain wall system. And I'm like, I'm just going to turn the mic over to you and allow you to do the introductions and tell us about what you do and how you do it. For sure. Um, So, yeah. So, Glass Curtain started... uh, you know, the idea sort of came around in probably 2008. Um, And it it came around because uh, aluminum has always been the the dominant framing material for curtain wall. But once we got to triple glazing, once triple glazing became more more common, more prevalent, uh, certainly as we've seen in the last couple of years, right? I mean, you hardly used to use triple glazing in BC. I mean, even when we first, you know, commercially launched in 2013, you know, I talked to architects in, in Vancouver and they're like, yeah, well, you know, triple glazing is interesting. 
if you're building around the airport, right? And it's like for, for sound attenuation and for like acoustic comfort. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, coming from Alberta, that was the craziest idea, right? Because it's pretty quiet here. You know, we don't build a lot around our airports, frankly, and it's just cold. And so we, we have that, you know, that attenuation is thermal comfort, not acoustic. Yeah, you're thinking comfort. thermal, they're thinking sound. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is which is which is a funny funny uh, as someone who's newer into the industry. Um, my grandfather was in uh, the curtain wall industry in Quebec uh, back in uh, back in the seventies, eighties, nineties. He retired probably you know twenty. He's ninety three years old. He's still alive, or he turns ninety three like in a couple of weeks here. So he's uh, wow. still alive and still really sharp. Uh, but yeah, he ran uh, a curtain wall company out there. Um, that was a, that was quite a good sized company, mostly the aluminum, of course, but uh, they did projects all over the country and all over the world. Um, and so sort of, you know, like so many of these things, um, you know, there's sort of like a gene for it, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, you sort of find like, uh, you know, engineers, it's like, Oh, your if your dad was a, a mechanical engineer, Oh, your daughter might be a mechanical engineer. Cause you just grew up in that kind of world. And it's just those kinds of conversations just happen at the dinner table. And it's, it's a more familiar conversation. So. Um, this company, uh, glass curtain was started in uh, 2008. Uh, it was ready to be a uh, beta test, uh, was installed in 2010, 2011, uh, commercially, uh, available in 2013. And, wow. um, and so, and since then I've been the, uh, sort of marketing director into managing director, um, and sort of, uh, the, the jack of all trades sort of, you know, running, you know, you know, so, uh, growing our installation partner network from, uh, from one installer to 30 now, uh, growing our, uh, you know, number of projects completed from one now to, uh, by the end of the year, I think we'll have closer to 20. Um, and, uh, and so we have, I think five under construction right now, actually is like this summer alone. Um, so it's, uh, it's definitely ramping up. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, like you said, it's, um, you know, 10 years is, is a long time, but it isn't either. So, you know, we've been at this, uh, for over 10 years, uh, or close to 10 years as a commercially available product. And now like the, the industry catches up, right? Like if, if you're far enough totally. on the, on the, on the adoption curve, like if you're far enough at the leading edge, um, it takes a while for the rest of the world to sort of catch up to you. And, and that's what we're seeing is now triple glazing is, is becoming more normal. And to circle back to, to the original question was, you know, we saw, uh, you know, our, our sort of, you know, vision, visionary team uh, of executives sort of saw that there was going to be a need for a better framing material once we got to triple glazing. Because a funny thing happens in, in sort of envelope systems is that um, in a double glaze system, it's the glazing that's the weakest link in your thermal envelope. In a triple glaze system, it's now the framing, the conventional aluminum framing. I totally. Yeah, the weak link moves to the perimeter of the window. Because that triple glazing is suddenly such a good insulator. And like we've seen such incredible innovation in glazing technology in the last 30 years, right? You know, we've seen, uh, you know, I'm sure people listening to this have, have seen, you know, maybe at the start of their careers, they were using single glazing even. Uh, and then double glazing became, you know, obviously the norm as it is now. Uh, but then triple glazing came along and we've seen, you know, advances in low E coatings that have gotten incredible, uh, you know, argon gas, krypton gas. Now we see like electrochromatic glazing. Uh, we're seeing vacuum insulated glass now. We've seen so much innovation on the glazing side. Um, and rightly so. I mean, it's a super important thing to innovate on. Um, and once our glazing gets past a certain point of thermal performance, 
then the framing becomes the weak link. And we have to start talking about our framing a little bit more. And so, that's, uh, that's where we come in. So Peter, you're, you've, you've touched on so many things that I like personally, I'm, I'm fascinated by. And so I just want to, I'm going to come back to a foundational level and just des- describe a couple of things. So the people listening are, are tracking with us in the conversation. So what I think I understand, and I say I think I understand because there's so much in this industry, especially on the on the on the concept of high performance building materials, is that the world's really broken up into climate regions, uh, one, two, or three, and like three being the Arctic, one being like um, the the Caribbean, where you don't there, there's not the same thermal fluctuation. Uh, whereas you know in Edmonton, I mean you can go minus 34 and plus 34. I mean that's yeah. a massive swing in temperatures and obviously that stresses all the building components. Um and in the concept of of homes we're talking about comfort of the occupants inside the home so when it's minus 30 on the outside there's a lot of draw for that hot air to get sucked into the cold vortex of the winter um or rather pushed if you're thinking about you know high to low pressure um and in the summertime obviously you got that air conditioning on the inside and it's trying to fend off the heat not just from the ambient heat in the air but also from the driving heat of the sun's radiation and um and so those those different climate zones is why you know vancouver to glazing has always been sufficient because it's never cold enough um but in edmonton you guys were thinking triple glazing because you know sometimes the double the, the two panes of glass isn't sufficient so you start filling those glass cavities from what i understand with different glasses argon krypton you mentioned they're even vacuuming out the glazing yes. panels in some cases um, yeah, and that's the latest technology that's um uh, that's actually, you know, the manufacturing for that is, is largely in Asia, uh, uh, and not just China and South Korea as well, uh, right now for vacuum glass. And we can touch on that more, but, uh, it's quite, in, it's quite innovative stuff that, uh, we're actually about to install our first project with vacuum insulated glass here in Edmonton at, uh, at Concordia university of Edmonton. Wow. Um, and so that's going to be our, uh, maybe, maybe I'm jumping ahead too much. But. This is, this is awesome because, you know, I, I was so impressed, you know, again, I heard you speak, you're, you're at the, you're talking at the passive, passive house, Canada level. And, and what I love about passive house and why we're, we as a company are moving into, to passive house certification. Is it just, for me, it's the gold standard globally. It's not just Canada. It's not just us. It's in Europe. It's been established for decades. So when I when I heard that you're building passive home certified, it means that you're setting like the top tier standard as a company you've embraced that. It doesn't mean you don't offer lots of other super high performance that would absolutely be an amazing set of windows for that aren't passive home. You know, there's there's lots of different levels of certification there. Um, yeah, so I want to I want to hear about the high performance windows from your perspective, why you chose to go over that super high threshold of passive home. And then what, what are some other things just below that? Cause not every consumer is going to want to build a passive home glass rated no. envelope system. No, that, that's a, that's a great question and a great frame, Brendan. And so we chose to do passive house certification because, you know, it was just one of those things back in sort of, I guess even as far back as, was it, 2017 2018 definitely 2019 we'd already started so probably 2017 2018 it just you know it's one of those things like i've i feel like i've sometimes i've got this like bell in my ear and if it just starts ringing if i hear the same thing from too many different people that are seemingly 
seemingly disconnected. <laughs> feel like it, it's it, like, on the <laughs> Yeah, it, it's like creates this web right in in my head, and this bell goes off, and it just like this buzz just becomes like like deafening. I can't hear anything else than this one thing, uh, and that at that time was 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 passive house, and um, and and I and I sort of you know very sort of hubristically thought I was like, oh, we have the best thermally performing uh, curtain wall in North America. Uh, which we did at the time, and we do. I was like, how hard can it be to certify to this uh, German standard? And so we actually did preliminary modeling, and I was like, oh, well, we could definitely get to, you know, cool temperate. Like, that's got to be easy. We didn't. We weren't even our, – our standard out-of-the-box system wasn't even at cool temperate. We would have, you know, met the climate goal one below that. But frankly, that's not – we're not really competing in that in that market. Um, of okay, like, and, and of being talk to you about cool temperate, right? Cool yeah, temperate, so or like explain that for us. Yeah, totally. So, uh, passive house divides. You know, you, you talked about climate regions one, two, three. Uh, passive house does, uh, divides the world into. Oh, I want to say six or seven off the top of my head. I, I only pay attention to the top two or three because those are the sort of cold climbs. Those are the challenging ones. Those are the hard ones. So we we focus on the hard problems. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but the cool temperate is uh, is actually only a very small part of Canada. Um, in, ge- in geographical area, that is. So it's actually only like Vancouver, like lower mainland kind of Vancouver area. Uh, and then even though it doesn't show it on the map, uh, the Great Lakes region um, is actually all cool temperate region, which, you know, anecdotally makes sense. Like I've, I've left, you know, Edmonton and, you know, just before Halloween and it's minus five and I go to Mississauga and it's 22. And it's like, how is this? This is not the same climate zone as, as Mississauga. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, the rest of Canada, though, uh, of the provinces, that is, uh, is considered a cold climate. Um, and so there, the way Passive House sort of works is, is that, you know, the, the more stringent the, uh, the sort of higher up you go on the, on the sort of like climate zones, uh, the more performant your envelope needs to be. So the yeah. higher performance your envelope needs to be. And so at the, in the cool temperate climate zone, which would be, yeah, again, lower mainland uh, or Great Lakes region of Canada uh, and, you know, northeast, northwest United States, you would need to be 0.8 watts per meter squared Kelvin for your windows and your curtain wall, which is very good. That's like R7, basically, uh, but it's R7, not NFRC R7. It's R7 paying attention to every little OCD, you know, thermal bridge, uh, you know, down it's to the molecular level. It's truly R7. Down to the molecular level, like it's insane. And uh, and so our standard therm system, uh, very good system, best in North America, not quite good enough to be uh, cool temperate. So, but I, I sort of figured, I was like, there's these German systems that are, or Belgian systems and Polish systems that are, you know, managing to get to cool temperate with aluminum. I was like, there's no way we have such a material advantage with fiberglass. I told our technical team, I was like, there's no way we can't get to cold climate. They're like, Peter, you're crazy. Gosh, darn like, it. Yeah. We, can't, we can't do cold climate. I was like, no one can do that. And I was, it's never been done. Um, there's windows that do it, but no curtain wall system had ever done cold climate before, which is 0.6 watts per meter squared Kelvin. Again, per uh, the European sort of methodology, EN 673 or is one of them. Um, and that's like R9 and a half. Uh, yeah. which is really pretty wild. Um, and so there's, what, now, what's, what's a typical window? Like just cause I, I feel like watch no, totally. per meter square, like people aren't yeah. necessarily going to catch it, that. It's, it's, hard. It, it, it's hard to sort of, yeah, relate that. So a standard double glaze window would be like R1 to R2. Okay. 
So, and so but, our nine and a half is like, yeah, four to eight times better. Call it massive improvement. Uh, basically you're the best uh, windows you've ever seen eight times better. Yeah. Oh, totally. And, and I, I make this comparison of like, you know, you have a, a Hyundai accent. It's a, it's a good car. It's a good little car. It gets you from A to B. It does, you know, mostly what you need to do. It's not a Tesla. Yeah. Right. A Tesla no, is a, is, is a piece of, you know, a phenomenal piece of engineering and technology. Yeah. And it does things a Hyundai Accent cannot do. Um, Hyundai Accent, good, good little car again, but it's not a Tesla. And uh, and sort of what we're used to in the sort of uh, you know conventional window space is like a Hyundai Accent or like a Nissan Versa or something or Micra or something like that, right? Like yeah. you know it's 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 like it's it's pretty bare bones. It's pretty bare bones. It's it's the minimal practical. It's it's the minimal thing that you could still call a window or a car. You know, as the as yeah. the analogy goes. Um, but then there's, you know, there's much more beyond that, of course. So you mentioned 0.6 is like the gold standard for passive home. And now what cold is that? Climate. Explain that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's cold climate. So that is an overall, uh, U value system that includes glass, um, and framing. So what passive house quite intelligently does, and that no one <laughs> that, that is really why there are no other curtain wall manufacturers in North America that have done uh passive house certification other than ourselves is because the the old the sort of the oldest trick in the book for uh for curtain wall systems to make it look like the thermal performance is better than than it is is to get better glass performance um because you you know you just drop the glass performance more and more and more and you start to wash out how poor aluminum is as a as a thermal insulator you know aluminum let lest we forget you know if you live in a hundred year old house decent chance you have wiring in your walls that's aluminum it's a conductor i promise you it's a you know before we had copper wiring we used aluminum wiring it's yeah, a totally. very good conductor um and so that we use it as like a as a framing material um and then try and just like thermally break it it's kind of crazy like it's a band-aid solution um aluminum has its place don't get me wrong but it's you know thermally speaking it's it's not it wouldn't be your, anyone's first choice. You know, if you were just going from first principles, you know, what, what is going to be the best thermal solution? Probably not aluminum. Um, so, but yeah, 0.6 watts per meter squared Kelvin um, is the overall uh, frame and glass value. So they limit the glass performance to 0.52. Um, and so the frame has to be, uh, you know, in, you know, overall it has to with the, with the edge effects as well. And actually we had challenges with the edges um, of the glass. So, we actually made such a, a good performing frame at the end of the day that we had uh, our most of our thermal bridging was coming through the edge of the glass. So okay, we actually had okay. to find a manufacturer who could make a secondary seal. And that was actually super hard. That took us months to find a manufacturer who could make the right kind of secondary seal, um, you know, for the glass. Cause that was actually so a weak link. In terms of tiers, we yeah, typically the low performing glass, you boosted the yeah. glass, which moves the weak link to the frame. You fixed the frame, which moved the weak link. <laughs> To that little strip transition around the edge. Totally. Totally. Wow. Yeah, that edge matters. And and especially in passive host certification, because they really do down. Again, it's an OCD. And for those who I've, I've run into this, it's obsessive compulsive disorder. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. Like, <laughs> um, it's, uh, you know, the, 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 that German attention to detail, that German sort of like obsession with, uh, with engineering and, and, uh, you know, the nth degree of, 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 um, uh, finesse um is real and so, uh this is yeah so like i'm like I, you know i'm just thinking about 
like this is super technical, but at the end of the day, what I what I'm hearing you say, you know, you're a multi generational family company that is just absolutely passionate about pushing what is possible with glass systems. And the result of that is, is you've developed a window system that is so thermally efficient that you don't actually have to shrink the size of your windows in your building. You can actually open your windows, like open the, the, the amount of windows up, uh, which ultimately when I think about homeowners and builders, I'm like, this is, we're starting to move into the, the realm of dreaming what's possible. So from a customer perspective, you know, when they're, when they're looking at buying glass, why, why are they looking in, in the direction that you're going? Why would they align with you to move in the super high performance glass avenue? That's a good question. And, and what we found is, is more and more that uh, it, it's, again, coming back to something that I, I believe in very deeply is that, uh, you know, at the, while we like to talk about, you know, you value this and technical number that and zero point watts per meter squared, yada, 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 right? Blah, blah, blah. Um, we like to talk about those things as if buildings were for spreadsheets, as if we were building buildings, you know, exclusively for a spreadsheet because the spreadsheet was going to live in the building when we were done building it. It's like, yeah. no, people live in buildings when we're done building them. The qualitative matters so much more than the quantitative. Like we can sit here all day and chat data points, you know, numbers. Yeah. That's not the point. The point is that buildings, sustainability is not what the spreadsheet says. You know, sustainability isn't even passive house. Sustainability is, uh, you know, given given the environmental and embodied impacts of construction um, that unfortunately are currently overlooked by the passive house standard. And I hope they start to address that in the future. And I expect they will the way LEED does, LEED before does. Um, you know, the embodied impacts are so significant of new construction that the most sustainable building is the one that lasts the longest. And what lasts the longest? The most beautiful building lasts the yeah, longest. Yeah, we don't want to renovate it out. We want to keep it as it is. We want to preserve it. We want to continue to live in it. So there's continuity of the building structure. The Frank Lloyd Wright house lasts the longest, right? Because it's the most beautiful. You know, the one that's, you know, the strip row, you know, factory build stuff gets torn down. And so, yes, you know, Frank Lloyd Wright house is very, you know, uh, expensive and exclusive and all the rest. But we want to make, you know, sort of democratize, you know, beauty in a way and good design. And part of that, you know, uh, is is higher window to wall ratios. You know, uh, it, the typical passive house, it looks like, like you said, a bunker. It's, yeah. tra it's tragic. It's tragic. It is. <laughs> it's sad. It just, it just, it, you know, and I think that there, we can do better. We can totally do better. Like there, there and, and I think we have the technology to do that. And we're demonstrating that. And, you know, it's a, there, there's a way to do this. And so, like, let's just do it. Peter, and the, you, you've touched on the reason why this podcast exists. Because we can do better. Because it's possible. Because we can. Like, where there's no... There's, there's no need for excuses. And I love that you're, you're, you're marching down this path because, uh, you know, even there's the, the livability side. And I'm even thinking from like an eco psychology side, when I'm connected to the environment outside of my home, that windows allow me to engage with, I have a better quality of life for the entirety of my life. Uh, and I'm just, so anyways, yes. I, I'm quality, excited quality. about this quality, quality, you know, and it's these qualitative benefits. Like, you know, the, the connection between, you know, people and nature, like we are part of nature. The idea that there's like this, you know, distinction between, 
people in nature is is arbitrary. Like we are, you know, we're uh, we're all one. We're connected so, beings. Like we're there. Yep. We're connected. That's it. And so we want to see the grass and the trees and the birds and the you know the neighbor's cat and like you know <laughs> we want to see these things because this is this is our community and this is our world. The lake. You know, if you live in the Okanagan, you want to see the lake. Goodness. So the mountains. If you live in you know Calgary or Denver or something, right? So I want to I want to start asking like some some brass tax questions from a man who who knows what he's talking about you know dollars and cents uh, when I'm thinking from a builder's perspective if you're doing a spec home or from a homeowner's perspective when how do I pick the right windows talking about the price the price of windows the the trade off um, because obviously the cheapest windows they don't pay off long term that's that's kind of just so so real and true these days dollars and cents windows curtain walls class. Yeah. So curtain walls are very dependent on area, on total area. Um, because everything is site glazed, uh, our systems are all site glazed, site assembled. Uh, you know, there's not, uh, there's not really like a factory where, you, you know, it doesn't matter whether you order one or 10, you just, you know, they just come off the end of the assembly line and you're sort of yeah. just plunk them in. Um, you know, there's sort of, uh, there's definitely economies of scale. So if you're building and we do some residential projects for sure. Um, but the bulk of our work is institutional projects. Um, yeah. So we're doing you know, schools and we're doing university buildings and we're doing rec centers and we're doing, you know, RCMP detachments and uh, yeah. even some industrial, actually. We even did our first industrial one in Porco Quitlam um, for Saputo. And it was like, that's a cool use of fiberglass because fiberglass doesn't corrode and they needed something that didn't corrode. Like, yeah, okay, totally. Great. Yeah. Um, but uh um, but yeah, in general, price point uh, is definitely, um, you know, what we're finding is that we're more competitive than the other passive house systems that are coming from Europe. Yeah, because that's sort of, you know, that's really our competition at this end of the performance spectrum where we're at R7, R8, R9, uh, that we're able to offer uh, a product that's made in Canada that has uh, half less than half of the embodied carbon. And less than half of the environmental impact embodied in the manufacturing of uh, a fiberglass relative to aluminum, and all the European systems are aluminum. Um, you know, you know, everything is uh, in English. We have like local support and warranty, and you know, reasonable lead time. Totally. You know, in Canada, right? We're not coming from. It's not shipping Europe, logistics from Poland. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Right. And like, you know, have fun with that right now. And uh, you know, it's like, oh, well, your shipping container was four grand. Oh, wait, no, I meant twelve. Sorry, did I say four? I meant twelve. <laughs> It's like, that's not how I see that every day. Um, you know, I've, I've even heard of like cargo planes coming full of, you know, product from, from overseas just because people need supply um, instead of uh, shipping containers. So, um, but yeah, price point, uh, definitely more than, uh, than windows for, uh, you know, from Conier or from Cascadia. Uh, Cascadia makes a great uh, sort of passive house certified uh, you know, cool temperate window. Uh, but for cold climate, we're the only ones in the world, um, who are doing this level of performance and yeah, yeah very much. It will very much yeah. depend on, on the overall area, but it might be, uh, but you know, again, keep in mind this, this is the Tesla, right? Like this is not the Hyundai accent Nissan Micra. Uh, well, very, and, you know, so this is definitely at the premium end of the, of the market. Well, and this is why I'm talking to you though. Cause I'm like, we're, we're building homes. Like uh, it was interesting. Uh, you're talking about the legacy of homes. I, 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 I know that we're talking about in the office, how do we build homes that last a century that people want to yeah. be in for a century? So at that point, you know, the, the upfront investment premium on, 
if it if it makes the long run to the end of the design life of the home, it was money well spent because you're also compounding energy savings, quality of life, all the qualitative and quantitative aspects of the investment up front, amortized not over 25 years, but over 100 years. It totally makes sense. And, and you're there. And and sorry, just inter- I'll say that's that's a kind of calculation that can typically be made by a homeowner is much harder on a spec home. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so we, we that's that's what we find is, owner, you know, that's why we do mostly uh, institutional work is because they're owner occupiers. They're building for themselves and they're, you know, they're government agencies or universities. They're they're thinking 100 years. Yeah. And so if, you know, clients, home builders that are thinking 100 years are, you know, home buyers that are thinking 100 years, we're a great fit for but if you're thinking, I, you know, two years, five years, two months, because I just need to flip it, it's probably not going to be the right fit. And I get that. And there are people that are, you know, just they're, they're, they look at this as a, a short term gain scenario. But uh, I think the consciousness around the world, especially as we move towards high performance homes, uh, the people that think short term are just going to get weeded out of the market is my expectation. It's not going to happen tomorrow. Um, but I like that the federal government and the provincial governments are starting to make um, uh, conscious high performance mandatory, you know, so it's either get on the train or you're going to get left behind. Uh, and then so by being proactive, obviously, and I love the fact that you're in Canada, which means you know, I can pick up the phone, you're one hour ahead of us. Uh, and not just, you know, problem solve, but also get creative about solutions. There's a responsiveness to your proximity here in North America that just makes uh, your product appealing. Yeah, and we we love those kind of conversations. We love solving problems. We love a good challenge, and uh, that's that's what keeps us going. I mean, um, you know, there's lots of ways to make money in this world. Um, I'm not going to say it's I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's not like rocket science either. Uh, but there's you know there's not so many you know people tackling hard problems that take long term that take you know persistence and decades like that. That there's a uh, that we need that and and to leave a tangible impact is like is a is an honor and a privilege right you know to um to be able to go around and show your kids you know i've got a three and a five-year-old boy uh, boys and uh you know to be able to show them like hey dad had some small part of that right like there's thousands of building products in every building i'm not going to say i made the building but like you know to say you had some contribution to something special is um is uh feels really good and it's the hard work behind the scenes, like the years of development and like sweating over the details and then the manufacturing sequencing and all of these, because you got to stand behind your product and then also, uh, you know, deliver that to customers. So I back to just some, some, some tough questions here in terms of uh, people think glass are like, wow, you put more glass in, but what about privacy? Talk to me about how you've solved. What if I don't want people seeing into my building situations? Oh, sure. Uh, I mean, tinting is an ancient technology that if you, uh, <laughs> you, you, you go to, you go to any like, you know, quasi rough part of town and it's like, they figured out tinting their cars, right? It's like, you can do the same thing in your home, right? If you, if you don't like your neighbors for whatever reason, um, you know, you can tint your windows and that's a pretty accessible technology. If you want to, uh, um, uh, you know, of course there's, you know, blinds and drapes and things are, are nice, but they, they sort of obstruct your views. Um, so, I mean. Yeah, privacy tinting is kind of hard to beat. If you want to get uh, more creative, especially in sort of like solar glare kind of control and things, there's electrochromatic glass. Um, Talk about that. Which, Talking about that. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, so we've done uh, we've done an in situ installation of this in Calgary, and it's really cool stuff. So there's a couple of companies doing it now, and more coming. Uh, some of them are actually based here in Canada as well, and manufacturing here in Canada. Um, and so electrochromatic glazing uh, automatically tints itself um, based on. Uh, a whole bunch of sensors and a whole bunch of like uh, 
data on the weather. And so it will like track clouds and the sun and it will track, you know, the, the glare from the cars and, you know, it will automatically, and some of them can even tint, um, you know, with a gradation across a single piece of glass. So you can actually have, uh, you know, a monolithic piece of glass that do doesn't even have a monolithic tint. It actually has a, a gradation to, uh, to accommodate user comfort and maximize user comfort. So, you know, that you don't have to, especially if you have a lot of glass in a building, and you live in a, you know, if you have a giant parking lot next to you or something like where you have a lot of glare coming off windshields and cars and things, you can still maintain a very high degree of, of sort of, uh, you know, visible uh, comfort uh, and enjoy your views without losing uh, daylight and while also managing uh, solar heat gain as well. And as I was wondering about Texas, like, is this like the photochromatic sunglasses I got for my motorcycle? Yeah. You know, when I go out, <laughs> basically, it's yeah, they're clear when it's, when it's dark yeah. out and it's. Yeah, yeah, it's that, but it, it's like an active system. So, like, they're all they're all they're all like interconnected. They're all plugged into you know they're all like plugged into the internet actually, and they have all satellites and and sensors and uh, and it's actually quite a sophisticated uh, technology. Okay, so that, yeah, that's a level above my sunglasses. But all right, so then same, same idea, uh, where, same idea, same. So when I um, when you think about uh, installation problems, I want to see where do you see. Um, I'm talking about um, from the perspective of the homeowner, sometimes they get windows that aren't installed properly and I'm not trying to throw anybody on the bus. I'm saying, what problems have you typically seen where the, where the windows aren't installed properly? Where do people typically make mistakes that we should be looking out for? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I, I guess um, we're very fortunate that to date we haven't had any installation issues. And a big part of that is, is, you know, how much we, you know, the lengths that we go to uh you know protect our uh sort of the good name of our of our innovation and like and what we're doing because we were very cognizant of the fact that uh when you're out on the leading edge of a of a technology and of a you know revolution call it uh in uh, in performance it doesn't take much for uh you know a little bit of bad press to spread and uh for that to sort of like over you know it's like one little you know drop of ink in a in a well um, it doesn't take much. So, um, to that end, we actually send a site supervisor. So a glass curtain representative to every project. Um, so yeah. we have someone who's, you know, 20 years journeyman, um, who's done a dozen glass curtain installations supervising our local installers. So we don't install ourselves, but we send a site supervisor to make sure that the local installers are up to speed on the fiberglass versus what they're used to, which is aluminum. Right. Yeah. Um, and we make sure that that the installation um, is pretty much perfect. Um, and uh, and you know we're I guess very grateful that this this and you know this this costs us something like this is you know part this is built into the the premiumness of the product, but it's like that that extra level of QAQC that get, provides assurance not only for the client. Uh, not only for the architect, because the architect doesn't want a building that leaks and goes to crap in five years either. Their name is on the line too. We respect that a lot. And, but it, you know, same for our installers and same for us, of course, as well. So that little bit of extra QAQC we find is worth its weight in gold and has saved totally. us uh, a lot of headaches. And I mean, people that I are willing to pay for this, they're, they're willing to pay for, they, they want to know that they're being looked after. Otherwise, that's, that's part of the cost justification. It's an investment. And if, you're thinking, and if you're thinking 50, 100 years out, it's natural, right? It's like, why do it poorly the first time? It's like, do it properly <laughs> the first time oh, <laughs> so, that, so that you're not doing this again in 10 years. Because how many criminal systems leak in 10 years or 20 years? 
Uh, how many yeah. of them have condensation issues or, you know, air infiltration and exfiltration? Like, y- you think you have this thermal performance and then, you know, you, you have a, you know, mediocre installation or even just have like, yeah, anyways, you know, we want things to, to, to last for the long term. And, and we, and we go what's, to what's your design life? What's your, like, and when you think about the yeah. lifetime of this product, what is that design life? I'm thinking 50 plus years. Cool. And um, I just, know, I, I love that. Yeah. There's been fiberglass, there's been fiberglass windows, um, you know, on the market for 30 plus years and they're still fantastic. Um, and they do better in terms of maintaining edge seal, which allows the glass to perform better long-term because if those edge seals fail of the glass, then you can have like, you know, the, the noble gases leak out. Um, and yep. then you can have seal failures and you can have, uh, you know, premature replacement required of, of some of the glazing. And so, um, but yeah, fiberglass is a great material. It, it doesn't expand and contract very much. Um, it expands and contracts the same rate as the glass that it's holding. Um, cool. Unlike aluminum, which expands and contracts a lot with the temperature fluctuations. Um, and so, uh, yeah, the durability uh, of fiberglass is, is really second to none. And then um, here's a question. What happens if, you know, little Billy throws his rock mm-hmm. and breaks the glass in my house? Oh, mm-hmm. no. What, what happens? How do we fix those problems? That's really easy. Because our systems are stick built and slight glazed, um, you basically slide off the little aluminum pressure plates. We do have some aluminum in our system. Of course, aluminum is a useful material in, in moderation, just in not, moderation, as yeah. primary, and not as the primary sort of structural material. Um, and so we have aluminum snap caps or vanity caps, as you might call them on the outside. You pop those off. You take off the couple of screws for the fiberglass pressure plate. Of course, use fiberglass for our pressure plates. And then you take out the piece of glass and you put a new piece of glass and you screw it back on. You know, it's like... Okay. So there is a serviceability to this for the future. Super serviceable. That's, and that's part of our mandate. And that's why, you know, we've been pushed to do unitized systems, um, which are uh, sort of split mullion uh, systems that are more for, you know, very large, like high rises, like high rises. Yeah. All high rises are unitized slash panelized curtain wall systems with a, with a split frame. Um, but those are less serviceable, not as easy to service. A stick built system where it's all site glazed, uh, is super easy to service. I like the and modular happened, like, systems thinking. And we, on that. Yeah, and so we have had we have had systems where uh, or instances where there was like um, at our first commercial project, it was a it was a triple low E coated glass, uh, but there was a, a low E coating on the inside surface, and they had like some concrete floor polisher that like spit up some crazy chemical and like ruined the low E coating and. They just popped out the piece of glass and put in a new piece of glass. And it's like, okay, well, careful with that floor polisher next time. And that was the end of it. Okay. Now, if you are just because we want to be respectful of your time, you've, this has just been uh, an immense amount of information. I'm, I'm going to ask two more questions. Um, one is, what would, you, what would you tell homeowners who are looking down the, the pipeline of a million decisions to build a home? And glass is one of those big decisions. What would your advice and guidance be to them? Um, yeah, I would say that don't, uh, you know, obviously a, a general advice is, uh, is, is very challenging. Um, but, um, you know, I would say that, you know, it's easy to, I, I guess that you, you can have your cake and eat it too, right? Like you can have a high glazing area and high performance, um, and I would also say that, especially if you're in a, in a colder climate, um, you know, don't forget about thermal comfort. That's an easy one. That I, I was talking to a, uh, a, 
new acquaintance yesterday, and he has a he has a, an aluminum frame curtain wall in his house here in uh, just outside Edmonton. Uh, and he's like, it is so cold by that curtain wall in the winter. They can't go by it. They can't go near it. They can't touch it. So you lose right. your square footage. You lose your square footage. Yeah, if you're avoiding and, the wall. <laughs> yeah, totally. And like, especially in personal homes, you you only have so much square footage to begin with, right? Square footage is at a premium. This isn't an airport, right? This isn't like, you know, it's not okay if you never go within 10 feet of your windows. Um, and Kelowna area, like, you know, winter, like you still get minus five, minus 10. Like it gets plenty cold. Listen, we get minus uh, 20 out here in the Okanagan from okay, time to okay, time. Okay, sorry. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Pardon me. You get minus 20. For sure. If you have uh, anything resembling a conventional curtain wall, uh, aluminum frame curtain wall in minus 20, you're you're not going anywhere near it. Whereas with a fiberglass system, triple glazing, you can you will lean up against it. It becomes part of your your built environment. Like you can actually engage with it, interact with it. it, it you won't even think about leaning up against it totally subconsciously. Yeah. With the aluminum system, you won't even go within uh, feet of it. And uh, it'll, you know, they'll have condensation issues, you know, down the road as well. Um, but yeah, I would say don't forget about don't forget about thermal comfort. Yeah, that's uh, that's yeah, that's, that's, that's really important. Thing again, that I was mentioning earlier. It's like, so Megan, how, you know, you how make, important is that four feet of my house along the outside perimeter? Like, how how much value is in that space? And if I don't want to be anywhere near it, wall. yeah. If you have a thousand square feet of curtain wall, two thousand square feet of curtain wall, um, which you could, in you know, a really nice house, you could have a thousand, two thousand square feet of curtain wall. You have three thousand square feet of curtain wall. Um, you know, multiply that four feet all the way along your perimeter and then say, okay, well, that their area is uh, it's just not usable anymore. In, in yeah, when people starting like $260 a square foot, I think is a reasonable, uh, you know, value on building construction these days. People are spending over $300 a square foot on their home construction. So you, <laughs> you multiply that four feet by the whole length of perimeter of your house. It's like, wow, there's, there's actually thousands of dollars in lost real estate if you have low performing windows. And that's whether the curtain walls or opening windows, like that's, that's just real. So, you know, we've been talking a lot today about your super high performance gold tier, uh, passive house rated curtain wall systems. Do you offer any products that are just, just underneath that, that would perhaps be a little bit more price conscious? Yes, absolutely. And, uh, and I'm glad you came back to that because I, <laughs> I got attention. <laughs> I don't people thinking uh, that you're just the, <laughs> the one and done on the high market. Just there. the passive house stuff. So that is, that is our like sort of flagship product. But uh, that is, if you're going for certified passive house, yeah, that's a no brainer. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, we definitely have uh, sort of, as you said, more, more budget conscious uh, systems. Uh, that still perform incredibly. And the one run rung down from that, uh, the sort of the second tier is the, is the vacuum insulated glass system. So that's Therm VIG. So VIG is uh, vacuum insulated glass. And we're able to get center of glass values of R15 uh, from a 34 millimeter overall thickness uh, sort of glass. So that's like one and a quarter inch, one and a half inch kind of range. Um, and uh, whereas a conventional glazing would be about R10. At that so you get about 50 percent better glass performance um and the price is practically the same like it's, it's almost a free upgrade to go from uh our standard triple glazing which would you know be one run down from that um to uh the vacuum insulated glass the the trade-off and there's always a trade-off you know life's life's about trade -offs, why right? wouldn't people buy that <laughs> life's, life's always about trade-offs right there's no you know economists that say no such thing as a free lunch right um so Likes about trade-offs, and the trade-off is that with vacuum insulated glass, um, 
they're limited in size. So the maximum size you can get is smaller than you would have for a, for a full, for a conventional right. triple glazing. So you can only do right now about two meters wide by about two and a half meters high. Whereas you would have no problem doing like three and a half meters high for a conventional triple glazing. So it's a little bit shorter right. of a glass. Um, and then so that means you need a little bit more framing, which can, uh, can add to the cost as well. Um, but, uh, the then also on the on the glass itself in terms of aesthetics from 10 feet away looks like a standard triple glazing looks great a little bit closer up you can actually see these little stainless steel dots these little, it almost looks like bird glass like if you've ever seen bird glass uh you know with little dots on it it looks like a micro version of that where you if you go up close enough to it you can see this little grid matrix uh sort of these rows and columns of little tiny like one millimeter by one millimeter dots and those are the stainless steel pillars that prevent the two pieces of glass from sucking together and hitting each other yeah, uh, yeah. when the when the air is pulled out. And so, like those two pieces of glasses are are point three of a millimeter apart. They're very, very, very uh, close to each other, and so that they don't touch because then you'd have conduction between them. You just have these little stainless steel pillars, um, and so you can see those from close enough. You won't see those from from any kind of distance, um, but. Um, but that's sort of the limitations. And then, yeah, then one rung below the Therm Vig is our standard Therm system, um, which includes a few variants. One is a non-combustible ver- variant, uh, Therm 134. Um, so if you're doing a project that requires a non-combustible rated envelope, uh, we do that. And that's most of what we do these days. Um, and then uh, there's, you know, options like, uh, you know, structural silicone glazing. So two-sided structural silicone glazing on the outside so that you don't have as many snap caps and you can have a sort of cleaner aesthetic on the outside. Um, and that's sort of, that's sort of it. Yeah. And so the structural silicone glazing, you can't do that and achieve the same thermal performance you're looking at with, uh, I'll call the snap caps and the vanity covers and the, the frame yeah. assemblies. Is that accurate? They're very close. They're very close, actually. Um, there's actually not, the, the, the primary difference in, is that uh, it's a little bit more uh, labor intensive to install um the structural silicone glazing um you know marginally um but um but yeah it's there's no reason no reason from a thermal performance perspective uh you know not to use structural silicone glazing awesome now you know the last question because i'm you know we're just touching this i mean you've spent years like literally your family's decades deep in this so i know we haven't answered all the questions but what i do want to do is give people listening to this podcast an opportunity to get in contact with you so so how how do people get in contact with you as at glass curtain uh how can they reach out to you if they have any more questions yeah for sure uh so you can reach out to me uh peter at glasscurtain.ca with one s in glass we're also on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Glass Curtain, again, with one S in glass. And uh, on LinkedIn, you should be able to find uh, Glass Curtain Inc. as well. And uh, that's how you find us. Awesome. That's, uh, that's a big deal. And, you know, one just because it's a personal touch. I mean, this is, I find the building industry is, you know, there's lots of technology and people get buried in spreadsheets, but this is an industry built on, on people that are, are choosing to see what's possible, which is why we're talking to you and why uh, Matt and I were so interested in, uh, in reaching out. But as a guiding light, do you have a quote that you, that's just, that works for you, your favorite quote that would, that, that you'd like to share with the audience just because uh, we're curious. It's just something we ask. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, there's there's a couple probably, um, but one is is that like you know the harder you work, the luckier you get. 
which is uh, I, I, I I heard it. I first I used to be a, a amateur golfer, and I first heard that attributed to Gary Player. Um, I don't know if he was the originator of that, um, but um, but yeah. That and then there's you know sort of more just like you know uh, sort of like ideas of like you know the tortoise versus the hare. Yeah. Right. Like this is a long, this is a long strategy. Like this think long term and the tortoise thinks long term. He just keeps plugging away. Just keeps plugging away. He's not sprinting. Um, so I, I think of this very much as a, uh, as a, as a tortoise versus hare kind of, um, kind of, uh, industry in many ways. Okay. So you said there, that was one, you know, the, the harder you work, the luckier you get, but it sounded like there was another one sitting there too. I guess so. Okay. Okay. Oh, oh, sorry. Well, that was just the, just the tourist versus the hair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's been an honor. Uh, you know, I look forward, I, I can anticipate wanting to talk to you again. I mean, whether we're online with a podcast or just otherwise, uh, this has been rich and I, I know that uh, our listeners are going to appreciate your insights, but also your dedication, your passion, the fact that you're, you're local to Canada. Uh, thanks for doing what you're doing and the whole team that stands alongside you, uh, to make this possible. Well, and, uh, and thank you for, for the opportunity to, to chat with you and your audience and, uh, love what you guys are doing as well. And, uh, you know, anything, you know, we need to do everything we can to sort of reach out to people, make this information accessible, uh, and, uh, and spread the good word. Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. Thanks for listening to the Net Zero to Hero podcast. Be sure to visit our website at netzerotohero.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and gain access to our free resources and materials. 